Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we consider the words of St. John from our Gospel reading. He, He writes that Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, my Father is giving you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. So far our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus, few needs in life are more basic than bread. To alter a bit a a remark once made by the intertestamental writer, a writer between the two testaments, the Old and New Testament, the Jewish writer Van Sirach, he said in essence, he said the essentials for life are water and bread and clothing and a house to cover one's head. Essential. It's a good word to describe bread. Of course, there are cultures that have another staple to their dietary universe like rice, but, but certainly for the most part our American culture, and most certainly the Judeo-Greco-Roman culture of Jesus' day, for that culture bread was it. Bread was it. In fact, bread was such a necessity that it, it became in that first century vernacular Bread became a word to sum up and symbolize daily sustenance or the means to get it. And so Jesus would teach us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Bread meaning, as Luther describes it to us, everything that belongs to the support and the needs, the wants of the body. And as I say, people began to use the word bread to mean proceeds, their earnings, those things that you would use, the means that you would use to to acquire your daily bread. Just like we'll still today sometimes use the word bread in the slang of sort to, to mean money. Bread meant life. Bread meant life, and so you can just imagine what it meant to a wilderness wearied people when, as we heard in the Old Testament reading today, the, the Lord told Moses, He said, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. What welcomed words in the desert, right? Rain, bread, words full of life in a desolate and and an otherwise very deadly place. Bread meant life, still does. It still does. And the bread lines of the 1930s now immortalized in bronze at the FDR Memorial in Washington, D.C. by statues of Depression-era men waiting in line for their daily bread, or, or even the one fewer loaf of bread that you would have in your cupboard these days. They remind us, don't they? They're reminders big and small, but reminders nonetheless that bread still does mean life. Well, if that's true for the body, is it not also true for the soul? Every living body must eat, and so too every soul. And you know what happens to the body if you don't eat, and therefore you know too what happens to the soul. And so, what's the bread, what's the food for the soul? It's an important question today. It's an important question today because the wrong food won't do. I read recently that during the siege of Leningrad in World War II, the the townspeople, the people of that city, Leningrad, the Russian people, surrounded by the opposing army, their food supply being choked off, they resorted to making 
so-called bread out of anything they could find. In fact, they even used wallpaper paste and sawdust. Of course, thousands starved to death because that so-called bread, that bread simply wasn't the kind of bread that could nourish, that was able to nourish their bodies. It didn't have what it takes. What's the bread that nourishes a soul? Because the wrong one won't do. Well, early on in our gospel text for today, Jesus tells us which food it's not. Remember, he says, he warns those who follow him. He says, don't go after the food that perishes. He says, don't try, don't try to feed your soul with belly food. Because belly food won't do. It might feed your body. The soul needs soul food. The physical life and the spiritual life, they're two different lives altogether. They need two different foods. In fact, John records Jesus with a very graphic and a coarse Greek word. Kortos is the word. It means cattle feed, fodder, hay. And Jesus tells them, he says, that's why you seek me. Not because you believe in me and so your souls are fed. No, he says, you seek me because having been fed by those loaves I gave you, the fish I gave you, you ate your kortos, he says, your cattle feed, your fill of it. You ate your kortos and now you want some more. Belly food. It's not the kind of bread that that can nourish your soul. Sad truth is, though, that some follow Jesus for that very reason. And I think I can safely say there's a little bit of that in each and every one of us. Eyes are fixed on the loaves and on the fishes, on the presumed prosperity, on the gifts more than on the giver. And they'll follow expecting that Jesus is going to continue to multiply their bread baskets, expecting he'll fill the cupboards, garages, their homes from wall to wall, fill their bellies. Christ gives us daily bread according to the measure he chooses, his wise measure. He knows your needs for the day, but but note well that none of that bread, none of that bread he's made to last. All that belly food perishes. Why? Because he doesn't want you to rest your, your eternal hopes on it. All that belly food perishes. Even the very best daily manna that he sends he won't permit to endure because remember... Remember what it was that happened to the manna that God, as we heard, rained from heaven for the people? It didn't last but a day, did it? He didn't permit it to last but a day, and already, if it sat a day, it would begin to change and decay and stink and rot. Sometimes he even withholds for a while your kortos, that feed, that fodder, Sometimes he even withholds it for the very same reason he withheld it from those wilderness wandering people of his. And Moses would later explain to them, he says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. Not by that bread alone, by a higher bread. But man lives, he says, by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. That's a, that's a higher food, a soul food. That kortos, that fodder for the belly, it won't last. And so Jesus warns, don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life.
And note that well. And don't leave today without missing Jesus' point here. Note it well. He's saying that as the food goes, so goes the eater of it. In that sense, you are what you eat. And friends, in our diet-conscious society, when we count carbs and we count cholesterol points, like never we have before in human history, and when we even consider now taxing foods that would, would lead us, we would think, in an unhealthy direction, with our eyes and ears and our minds so finely tuned to our food, then we best sit up and listen to Jesus' dietary imperative to us. He says, don't labor for the food that perishes. Apoluo in the Greek. You know where else he uses that word apoluo? It's in John 3 when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not apoluo, shall not perish. For as goes the food, so goes the eater of it. So don't make life's highest labor that food that perishes or you will too. And that's his word. But rather make it the food, the true bread, the soul food that endures to eternal life. For as the food goes, so goes the eater of it. Jesus' words here is his preaching. It's the kind of preaching that makes the soul hungry for that food of which he speaks. But you know, even before the crowd can ask Jesus, well, how do we get this food? Jesus beats them to the point and he says to them, yes, in this food that endures, the Son of Man will give to you. Dose, another important Greek word here. It means he'll give it to you without expecting return. He'll gift it to you. And we're not used to that. We're used to working for our bread. In fact, that's the way it's been ever since the fall, right? And we know it well, by the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread. And so St. Paul says that he who does not work shall not eat it. But there, that's talking about belly food. The enduring food, soul food, that's given to you. That's, That's gifted to you. No work on your part required, none expected, none accepted. But even so doesn't stop that crowd today, does it, from from pursuing what our old flesh always will. The thought and and the question, all right, well, but Jesus, what do I have to do to work for this food? What do I have to do to get this food? Or in their terms, as they put it, what must we then do to be doing the works of God? It's like they weren't even listening to him. He said, I'll give it to you. And they said, okay, well, what do we have to do to get it? like they weren't even listening to him. Of course, their question is still lived out in our lives whenever we'd overlook the gift given and still ask ourselves, all right, but what decision do I then have to make to choose it? What must we do? Or, okay, but what feeling do I have to feel in order to know that it's mine? What must we do? Or perhaps, yeah, I I may be given it, but what do then I have to do and how well do I have to do it in order to hold on to that bread? What must we do? do Who do I have to help? Where do I have to go? How often do I have to be there in order to show that I'm good for it? In other words, what must we do to be doing then the works of God? 
It would be as if we didn't listen to him. That food, he says, I will give it to you. I'll gift it to you. But you know, as with the crowd and their question today, Jesus takes our would-be works and with an answer. The answer he gave them, he turns them on their head. Because you see, there's only one singular work that counts. His work. God the Son's redeeming work on the cross to pay for our sin. That if left unpaid for would condemn us all eternally. And God the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to give us life who otherwise are dead in sins and enable us to trust in Christ's work. And so we would ask, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And and in his answer, Jesus turns that completely on its head, exchanging all of our works, plural, for his work, singular. And he answers this way. He says, and this is the work, singular, of God. Not of you and me, but of God. That you believe, that you trust in him, whom God the Father has sent. You can almost taste the soul food now. Friends, the bread that puts an end to all the Old Testament appetizers, like manna rain from heaven, the bread that is the only nourishing entree, meat, drink, and food for any soul, for we all eat the same spiritual food, The true bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to an otherwise dead world is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the bread of life. The bread. The bread, indicating there's none other that can do what he can do. The bread of life. Meaning that it's life imparting, that he's life imparting with the stuff, with the ingredients of eternal life. It's life. It's just like the slice of daily bread you'd ingest and digest and then reap the benefits of its ingredients, so too then Christ is the bread that brings to you the ingredients of life. Life for your soul, even life in time to your dying body. Life to whomever eats of it. Life to whomever believes in Him. How do you eat it? Where do you you get it? Well, it's not like that famous boudin sourdough bread many of us love. That bread that you generally have to get right here near San Francisco somewhere, or you can even buy it in the airport. But bread you have to take back with you to Chicago, London, Paris, Rome, or wherever you call home. Bread you can't get there. No, it's, it's not where Jesus locates this far better bread. In fact, in our text, he even tells us where he locates it. It says Jesus is preaching to the crowd about himself. That he tells them, my father is presently, is giving you the true bread from heaven. And you see, wherever still there's preaching of Christ crucified and what he's done for you to save you from from sin. Wherever there's preaching of Christ crucified and someone hearing and trusting in him, that's where the true bread, soul food is being served and where faith is being fed and the bread of life is is being eaten. 
And wherever in this wilderness of a world, Christ Jesus, the true bread, comes down from heaven and rests under sacramental bread and wine in his own very body and blood. And and then he's received on the tongue of him who believes there. There, faith is fed on the bread of life. And fed, I tell you, by a far greater miracle than Moses ever could have conceived. And wherever a newly baptized little lamb is grazing in God's pasture, grazing as her mother teaches her to form on her little lips the name of her Savior, there faith is fed. It's fed for for all of us eat the same spiritual food, and that food is Christ. Christ Jesus, he's the food that endures, and as he goes, so goes the eater of him. Lord, we pray, give us this food always. And that's the last point this morning to be made. Always. This bread is your life. And so never, ever stop eating it. For remember, you don't don't let the busyness and the business of life forever keep you from dinner. And recall that you wouldn't neglect to feed your daughter or your son, which you know they need to nourish their living and their growing bodies. You don't neglect to teach them what's good for them to eat. You don't let the familiarity of good, wholesome foods for the body breed contempt of it. Is this food for the soul any less critical? No, indeed, I say more. More. And... When, like Elijah, the world's worn you out and you feel like just lying down and, and giving up, this bread, Christ Jesus, will be there to feed and strengthen you for the steps that God's called you yet to take. And when you'd think that your sin would ever be more than Jesus is able to forgive, then you just remember, you remember what Jesus was able to do for a multitude with just five loaves. More than enough. And then some. And if you'd ever think as wilderness wandering pilgrims of his on your way to your promised land that maybe if you'd ever think that maybe just maybe this bread from heaven one day won't be there for you. Then you just remember you're his people. For like Joshua of old records the manna came every day. Every day it came, he writes, until the day it stopped. And that was the day after God's children were safely in their promised land. Lord Jesus Christ, give to us this bread always. In his name, amen.